Hey, thanks for joining me here at Truth Unbound. I'm Walter Swaim, and so here's a question for you. Okay, first let's set this up. We're in the last week before Jesus died and rose again 2,000 years ago. Okay, Easter week. So the big question for today is this. If Jesus really rose again from the dead, then why did he not appear to not just the believers, but also unbelievers? I mean, why didn't he just walk into unbelievers, especially like the high priest Caiaphas and Roman governor Pontius Pilate, both being the ones who condemned him to death in the first place? Why didn't he walk in and say, well, boys, looks like you were wrong. What are we going to do about it now? <laughs> I don't know, but it does matter. So let's look for the answer to that in God's truth right now. Ready? Let's go. Hey, thank you again for being here with me at Truth Unbound uh, once again. And if you would like to hear more about key questions and their answers from God's word, uh, questions of things that happen in life in general and in society and culture and in theology and the church, and you want to know the unbound truth of God concerning it, then would you click on like and then hit subscribe as well, tapping on all notifications so you know right when something drops, uh, and then share the podcast with others. Well, let's get back to this big Easter question because it really does matter. Let's look into it right now. All right, so why didn't Jesus appear to those who rejected him and even had a hand in executing him in the first place? Wouldn't you think that if Jesus walked in and said, here I am, guys, wouldn't that have shut them down once and for all? I mean, wouldn't that have convinced them and many others around them that watched all this and it would have convicted them and caused them to repent and put their faith in Christ once and for all? We have to understand that the Bible is a collection of eyewitness accounts, especially those of the Gospels. The eyewitness accounts of everyday people seeing and hearing for themselves who Jesus was and what he did, and even why he did it. So when it comes to the resurrection, it gives very candid and dramatic, and a few times even embarrassing to the disciples, details of Jesus' appearances to people after rising from the dead. All right, so here on this chart that I'm showing you on the screen, uh, it lays out all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, okay? So let's look at each one of them. First, it was to Mary Magdalene, and then also to the other women, then to Peter, then he appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, then to all the apostles minus Thomas, who, by the way, they were all in hiding, broken, scared, to even leave and look for Jesus like the women did. Then again to the apostles, but this time with, and then speaking directly to Thomas, then another appearance to several of the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he appeared to 500 men and women believers at once. Now remember that because we'll come back to it. To his previously extremely brother, uh, James, he also appeared and then also again to the disciples on the mountain Galilee to watch him literally and bodily ascend to heaven. So now all these instances occurred in the 40-day period he stayed around right after his resurrection. He also appeared later on to Paul and Stephen, 
and lastly to John years later, but we're sticking to, for the sake of the time of this podcast and the question we're asking, we're sticking to the period of those appearances of Jesus just in those 40 days right after his resurrection, okay? Now, look at what it says in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, nowhere in the scriptures does it state that he was a ghost or was just a spiritual or some kind of hallucination or psychological resurrection. His resurrection was for real. It was literal. It was bodily, raising from the dead, risen from the dead. But then again, back to the question, if he appeared to so many and bothered to do so during a 40-day period, why didn't he do it to any of the unbelieving crowds and or their leaders? Well, first of all, there's no verse or verses that say word for word, quote, the resurrected Jesus did not go to unbelievers because uh, reason one, reason two, reason three, etc. Didn't do that. Doesn't do that. But based on principles and observations in the scriptures, we have a very good picture as to why he likely didn't do this. One more thing. Let's get a couple of the more weaker reasons why he didn't do that, but there's still reasons. Number one, he didn't feel he had to. He had done so many miracles and raised others from the dead, so he just didn't feel like he needed to. And that's plausible. Now, as I said, this is kind of a weaker reason, for lack of a better term, weaker, but it's not as weak as it sounds on the surface, and we'll explain why in a moment. So hold on with me, all right? There also is nothing that says he didn't appear to them. Yes, this is a pretty weak reason, but we throw it out there anyway, and it's not an amazing one to hang your hat on at all. But with him being as big a deal as he was, you'd figure both Christian and secular sources would have said something or other if he had appeared to unbelievers. But having those two things out of the way, let's get back to the more concrete and likely reasons why he did not appear to unbelievers. Now, a very plausible first reason is that if Jesus had done so, uh, let's say he walks into Pontius Pilate's or Caiaphas's office unannounced. Well, then a couple of things likely would have occurred in response to that. After getting over the absolute shock, uh, these guys would have said, okay, this is bad for us, so let's make sure this second time we kill him again, and this time for good. This time, let's just chop off his head. That'll make sure that we've killed him, right? And But the response to that is it could have started a bloody insurrection by some of those who followed Jesus, maybe not even as Savior, but as a conquering hero and Messiah that they wanted him to be. Now, if you recall, many wanted Jesus to be the one they heard about it from the prophets that would come riding in from the heavens and militarily conquer and slay and overturn the Roman government and establish his literal kingdom, Jewish kingdom, if you will, on earth. Okay, But 
those same people actually by now had become very disillusioned with him because he had willingly given himself to be crucified by the Romans. But we're going to say that the very possible reaction still, some of them would have turned on a dime and rushed to his defense and protection uh, if he had appeared to these authorities, these secular authorities, and then tried to punish and kill Jesus for a second time. Now, this in turn would have made it even harder on the Christians with even more persecution and execution right from the get-go. And this was something they were already beginning to experience and would even more so in the future, but it would have been tenfold more if Jesus had showed up to the secular authorities like this. It also would have likely crushed the takeoff of the newfound faith that Jesus had established. Now, by Jesus appearing to the unbelievers, especially their authorities, it also would have prevented Jesus during that 40-day period from being able to take his time peacefully and without having to constantly be taking cover in his job of rounding out the teaching to his followers of how and why he did what he did, as it says in Acts 1, 1 through 3, which would have further equipped them, which did further equip them for the time he would finally leave them once and for all. This also makes us recall this important fact. It says in Acts 1-3 that in those final days after his resurrection, Jesus did not go around foaming a rebellion amongst the people to put him in power. To the contrary, he taught them about the kingdom still and what he always taught about of the kingdom, which was to love others as he loved them, to serve others, and to bring others to receive Jesus, to know him. And to not resist when they were, even when they were persecuted for believing in Jesus and living a righteous life the way he said to live it. Another likely reason for Jesus only approaching mostly believers in this 40-day period after his resurrection is also signaled to us in Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, where, he said, where it says, For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, Matthew 23, verse 39. Now, Jesus had made a promise to these priests and these elders that he wouldn't be back. They wouldn't see him again. Okay, and this was before he died and rose again. And when Jesus makes a promise, he sticks to it. He fulfills it in every literal way he intended. In other words, had he, had he appeared and spoke to at least the Jewish religious leaders alone, he would have violated his own promise to them to not that they wouldn't see him again until that future kingdom, and he would have been deemed a liar, and it would have confused his followers, and it would have been him co uh, contradicting himself. So Jesus was not going to lie in that way. So he stayed away from those he said he would not see again in the, until the future kingdom, when he returns, until that final judgment day. And when, uh, that, when it, and then that time, that will be when all will bow their, on their knees and call Jesus Lord and Savior. Whether they believe in him or not, they'll recognize him finally as Lord. But I want to add this as well. There was plenty of evidence so that even many of the priests actually did an about face after the resurrection and believed in Jesus as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. 
All right, so let's take a look at another solid reason why Jesus did not show himself to unbelievers after his resurrection. And where we get this from is the scene of the soldiers who had protected that tomb. They had guarded the tomb, but were in a panic after having witnessed at least the opening of the tomb and a fiery angel in their presence before them. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Then in verse 11, it says, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Okay, so now what the scriptures tell us is that the Roman soldiers were so struck with fear by what they saw happen right in front of them, like be, and that they, they shook like beyond knees knocking together, kind of fearful shaking, and then dropped unconscious. Now, it doesn't say that they saw Jesus uh, coming out of the tomb, but that they saw this angel who rolled away the stone, which tells us that Jesus had exited that tomb without the stone being rolled away. So they see this, this angel and this great light, and in moving the stone that they drop unconscious, from the fear of what they saw, they fainted, they dropped, uh, that this angel was opening the tomb, rolling away the stone so that the women and others could witness the fact that Jesus had left the tomb already, that he was indeed risen. So now this Roman guard, who normally would be punished or executed for failure of duty, they go to the chief priest, not Pilate or their superior, they go to the Jewish chief priest with what had happened first. They go to them first to tell them what happened. And they take a bribe from the priest who tell them to tell a lie that the body was stolen and that the priest would back them up if they needed with a pilot or whomever. Now this alone would have easily triggered an investigation by the Romans and, the, and to find the perpetrators who stole the body find them, find the body, and then execute those who had stolen the body. But we find no evidence at all in Second Temple literature or the records of the Roman authorities of such an investigation having been carried out or the body being found and the issue settled and resolved forever. You see, our point in mentioning this last part is that even though Jesus did not appear to others than believers, those that believed in him already, the story more than likely did reach the ears and eyes of secular authorities to some degree. It would have had to. And all we have is their silence in response. Another thing, remember that Jesus' own brother all this time was skeptical of Jesus being God. 
Also, one of the disciples, Thomas himself, had been skeptical of Jesus' resurrection. He didn't want to believe it unless he saw him. And James eventually died a martyr for the faith. And Thomas, according to church record, also died as a martyr for preaching the gospel. But taking a step back to Thomas's experience, it says, after the other disciples told him they had seen Jesus, this is what Thomas had done. Well, let's read it from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, now watch what happens next. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, once Jesus had finished the work of the cross and the resurrection, seeing Jesus was not absolutely necessary to be saved. Whether seeing him or not, believing in Jesus by faith was and remains the reason God forgives sin and gives eternal life to each sinner who repents and turns to him. Now, this is not to, to negate the evidence. The, the disciples wrote what they did to present the evidence of Jesus. It mentions the words infallible proof. And, and it mentions who he was and what he did and the proof to back it up. But in the end, it is clarified by Jesus that believing faith alone in him alone was how one was to be forgiven of sin and given eternal life. Now, let me put in one last sidebar of truth to this. Imagine if they had told uh, or laid hold of Jesus a second time after the resurrection and killed him on the spot. Would Jesus' second death accomplish what the first one didn't? Would he need to rise again only to die again and then keep doing that over and over again every time he'd come back to appear to them? What this would have done to the soundness and complete completeness of the gospel work and message, the damage that would have been done would be immeasurable. It would be a confusing mess and it would have made a failure of his death in the first place, which only needed to happen once for all. All right, so let's review and summarize why Jesus didn't show himself to the unbelieving world around him there in Jerusalem after his resurrection. The evidence shows us he likely did this to protect the believers from insane persecution. He did this as well to protect the integrity of the doctrine of his death and resurrection, which is essential to the salvation of each person. He did it to protect the going out of the gospel and to keep believing faith as the way to be saved by God. And my friend, I ask you a question. Have you done this? Have you placed your faith once and for all in Jesus alone? So now I encourage you. If you've not given your life to Christ, would you do so right now? 
The Bible tells us that God so loved the world. In John 3, 16, it says God so loved everyone, the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you believe in him today? Will you believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sin and your punishment? He took it upon himself. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10. And so I invite you to do that. Tell him yourself in your own words, saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that you died for me, that you took my sin and punishment on you, and that you rose from the dead, and that you are God. Save me. Forgive me my sin. Give me eternal life, I, I pray. And thank you for doing that for me. I'm yours. Would you do that today? Do that right now, and please let me know. I would appreciate that, and then we can help you find a local church that will help you grow in your faith in Christ. Well, I certainly hope this has helped you, and I hope that your Easter weekend will be very special. Resurrection Sunday morning, this coming Sunday, and that it will bring you unlimited joy and gratefulness before God. Because this is the only certain belief that there is and can be, and that is that Jesus Christ is the one and only victorious Lord God and Savior who died on the cross for all sins and rose again from the dead, literally and bodily. I hope this has strengthened your faith and maybe even given you a conversation starter with someone who doesn't know Jesus, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it helps you share the gospel. Well, again, I ask you, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and even share and comment and reply as well. And until next time, follow Jesus, because when you do, you'll always follow the truth.